Well, good evening. Our Bible reading this evening uh, comes from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through to 31. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing, breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if, if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named, a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who come, sorry, all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by pr proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him, but his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. 
So Saul, Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Hey everyone, my name is Jason. If you're here for the first time or come back after, I want to say welcome. Welcome on behalf of everyone here. Look forward to catching up later on. Now this is so exciting. We get to look at this book of Acts and uh, see what God's going to show us about himself uh, th- through this term, uh, looking through these uh, sections of the Bible. Before we start looking at this topic, the unlikely transformation, let's call out to God that he'll work in our hearts and show us himself tonight. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for tonight. We thank you that we can have this time where we can praise you in songs, have your word read out. We can call out to you in prayer. And Lord, we call out to you again now. And we pray, Father, that you will show us yourself. We pray you'll stir your spirit amongst all of us, Lord. We pray that you show us Jesus deeper. You show us what it, who he is and how he impacts our lives, Lord. We pray, Father, you'll strengthen us as we see this our story of how you've worked in someone's life in a big way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, sometimes change can seem very distant and far away and unlikely. Last year, I was playing basketball, and while I was playing, I tore ligaments in my thumb and sprained my ankle. You, you know, these times it's so annoying, like you've got the splint, and you can hardly move your hand properly, and it takes like five minutes to tie your shoelaces and things like that at night, you're trying to sleep and they're just throbbing here and there and can't sleep and you, you think it's like, when am I going to be able to surf again? It's like, it seems so distant, so far off that that's possible, like I can't even walk straight or properly, let alone like balance on a board and it just seems so far away, like any change or any transformation and uh, I'm sure you've had different injuries over time. Sometimes the future like, can look so far away with these things. Now, that's a physical thing, right? Broken, you need a transformation. But this can be just as real spiritually for us as well, can't it? Like, maybe we look at ourselves sometimes, we think, spiritually, I'm in need of transformation. Or maybe you're looking at a friend and you see, just by the way they talk, like, for them to go to Jesus, just, that seems like really unlikely. For the way they, what they talk about and how they see things, how they see the world, it just seems so unlikely that they would like see Jesus. Or maybe it's a family member and you've seen them like go down this line wandering and they make these decisions that bring hurt to themselves and trouble and you're thinking, wow, it's so unlikely. Or maybe you look at like a, a region, an area, like in the Illawarra, it's so, people... So many people are just so comfortable, you know, it's this really beautiful place and we've got access to all these things and there's safety and like for so many, it might seem, oh, for them to come to Jesus, it seems unlikely. And it can feel 
feel as we look at different people and different places, it looks like change would be impossible. It can seem like, oh, they're just too far gone. Like, I can't imagine seeing something drastic happening in their life. Well, in this passage, we see a person who looks way far gone, doesn't he? This guy, this guy looks way far gone. It seems unlikely that he will ever come to Jesus. And that passage comes from a book of the Bible called Acts. And Acts, we're coming back. So earlier in the year, we looked at chapters 1 to 8. And now we're going on from 9 to the end of the book. And so we're going to see the story of the early church and what happened, like how God was on the move and what he did. And one of the key lines at the start of this book sort of gives us a picture of where the whole book's going. Acts 1 verse 8, it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is uh, Jesus talking to the disciples. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So it flashes out. This is what this book's going to be about. And in the first section, we saw this, didn't we? It's like they start off in Jerusalem. They're proclaiming Jesus there, and they spread out a bit from there. They went out to Samaria as well. And the promise is it's going to keep on going to the ends of the earth in their day, like thinking it's Rome so far away. And in Acts chapter 2, they receive God's Spirit and they're doing it. Like they're proclaiming and they're sharing. And this whole term, we're going to like taking chunks out of this book and like looking and seeing how God takes this good news to the ends of the earth. And it wasn't easy. There were so many obstacles, so many challenges, so many threats to them. Sometimes they were from outside, you know, the religious leaders like putting the heavy on, you know, tell, telling Peter like, don't proclaim Jesus. People getting thrown in prison or like problems inside the church, like disunity and trouble. Like, and God just keeps working in each situation like God's working to advance this news of Jesus to another area, to another place. And um, I guess like if we could summarize that, the book's about like the sovereign hand of God as he takes the news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. This is uh, this book. So it's going to be it's going to be great to um, have fun in the growth groups this week, like chatting and searching after God as um, we look at Him in this book. Let's go back to this guy who looks unlikely. In chapter eight, verse one, it says that uh, Saul approved of the killing of Stephen. So remember back there, chapter seven, Stephen's like standing up and he's preaching, and they take him out and they stone him, and this guy Saul is there cheering on the death of this man. And 9 verse 1 said that he was breathing out murderous threats and he goes to the high priest and wants to get the letters uh, to go to Damascus and take Christians as prisoners. And so this is, this is his heart. This is where he wants to be. And what a contrast this is. Remember the eunuch in the previous chapter. The eunuch is like hungry to know God, right? It's like just before this, like hungry to know God, whereas Saul is hungry to destroy these first Christians. That's what he's hungry for. He's, he's passionate, he's ambitious and destructive. And we, as we look at it, we might have read about this many times. It's like, say, we can say like this guy, he's, he's a dark person. There's a darkness in him, like he's just plain evil and he wants to bring trouble and murder. So this guy is walking on the adventure on the way to Damascus. Something unique happens to him. A light, verse 3, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around. 
So there's, there's this light beaming down, like this is a picture in the Old Testament, like the presence of God, like God is here, God's coming, right? Verse 4 says, He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, this is like a drastic change, isn't it? This ambitious one, I'm going to kill the Christians. Now he's on, his, on the ground, he's, he's like down. And he hears his voice and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Verse 5, it says, um, and it's, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Get up, go into the city, you'll be told what you must do. So Saul is now face down in front of Jesus, and he's rebuked, isn't he? He's rebuked for bringing harm to the people of God. Saul's on the way to attack Christians again, and Jesus stops him. He stops him in his tracks here. And notice like, something really interesting. When Jesus answers, he says, why do you persecute me? It's interesting, isn't it? Because Saul was persecuting the Christians. But what it's saying here is that Jesus is so one with his people. He's so united to his people. That, so for someone to harm those Christians there, to do that towards Jesus. There's such a, a closeness between Jesus and his people that to harm the Christians is to reach out in that way to Jesus. Now, this, what, a, what a leader Jesus is. Like, he's not aloof and distant, is he? But he's just so near and he's so close. And for us, in times of trouble, maybe experiencing injustice for being a Christian or there's trouble, like that, isn't that great to know that like Jesus is so, so united and close with us? He's with us and he is near. This is Jesus. Why do you persecute me, he says. So he's speechless, Saul. He's blind. He can't eat, drink, verse 8 and 9. Now Saul, at this point, like this is, it's a radical change, right? This is, this is a, quite a meet-up. <laughs> Jesus comes and speaks to you in a massive light. It's a massive change. But all the other people don't know about this. All the other people, they're still scared of this Saul. They've heard all the reports. They're frightened about him. And verse 10, uh, Jesus comes to a guy called Ananias. He's got a job for him. And he wants Ananias to go to Saul. And verse 13, the answer is pretty much, no thanks. <laughs> no, no, I do not want to go to him. Thank you. I've heard about the harm that he's done. So, so cautious about being in connection with this Saul. Like Ananias has got a job, Jesus got a special job for Saul. Verse 15 says, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. So Saul's going to be a, an instrument, he's going to be a tool in God's hand. So as God takes this news of Jesus around to all these people, God's going to use Saul to take it and to do it and to share it. And in front of their kings and in front of all the wider people of Israel. And we're going to see that unfold like through this book. God is going to use him to reach out to the Gentiles. Now this is pretty special too. That he's going, now the word Gentiles means non-Jews. So before this, although they're sharing with some other people, mostly they're just hanging, hanging with the Jews. But this starts a new time where they're going to go to all the other people groups in the world and share this great news of Jesus. And this is going to be Paul. He's going to lead that up and uh, 
go off and proclaim Jesus to all these different people. So it follows on, like he's, he's going to be the chosen instrument. It's going to be, verse 17, filled with the Spirit. He's going to be used by God to do great things. Now Saul is part of Jesus' plan to reach the ends of the earth. Every now and then you'll see uh, some famous business person and they've got all this money and they're getting aged and old and they hand on their, their business to one of their children. They, hand, they choose that person like, to take the business further. Right? They've got all the, all the money and all the resource and they hand it on to the child and the child's meant to go and take that business further. And in this uh, section here, Jesus chosen Saul, not to take the business further, but take this news of Jesus further. Take it further like, to, to the ends of the earth, like to go out. This is uh, Jesus' plan. Jesus chooses Saul and he sends him out. And he sends him out on a mission. It says, at once he began, verse 19, to preach. So he's not like cruising back. Hang on, we've got to have a holiday. We've got to like, go cruise and do something else. Like, he's like into it straight away. And the people, they're astonished, it says. Isn't he the one who raised havoc? Hasn't he come to make us prisoners? Like they've still got this fear and confusion around this guy. They're baffled by him. They're baffled that he's proving to them that Jesus is the Messiah. This, this is the message. So his job is to take this news out and now it's telling us what he was talking about. He's talking about how Jesus is the Messiah. Now Jesus is the promised king, like just going back thousands of years before, the king that's going to come and save God's people. He's going to unite them all together. He's going to love them and lead them and be with them. They've been waiting so long for that one to come, and he's proving it to them. They're just baffled as they hear hear this. You know, so for back then, or like, like now for us, like this is just awesome news, that Jesus is, you know, the Messiah, the Christ, the rescuer, and he's the the one that comes into the joys and mess of life and he comes into lives to bring joy and hope and peace and this is what Jesus brings in us, isn't it? And so if you're thinking, oh, I want more joy, I want, I want more hope and peace, like Jesus is the source of that. Knowing Jesus and being rescued by him and carried by him and united with him, that he's the source of all of those good things. And this is Jesus Messiah. He's trying to prove to them. He's proving that this Messiah has arrived. It's Jesus. He's here. Now, as he's doing all of this, how quickly the trouble came to Saul. There's this conspiracy, verse 23. They want to kill him. The religious leaders, as he starts talking about the Messiah, they're like, no, and they want to oppose him and they want to stop him. Verse 24 says he learns of their plan and escapes lowered uh, through a wall in a basket. This is, we're meant to cheer at this point, right? He's got away, like he's going to be able to go. He's going to tell more people about Jesus. But like, there's so much trouble for him. Hey, what, what drama and tension and what confusion. The leaders want to kill him, the, the Christians are scared of him, it's like this chosen one is going to take the news, like there's this threat to him, and then it happens again, like verse 26, people are afraid, they don't believe him, Saul's speaking boldly, 
He's debating and they try and kill him again. He gets away. He's under threat again. Under threat to be stopped from proclaiming the great news of Jesus. Now this passage end, ends off with uh, 31 talking about what the impact was of all of this, like of, all, of Saul going out there and all, all the sharing. It says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and increased in numbers. So that all the, these people in these places, you know, they're, they're knowing the peace that the Messiah brings, the rescuer. They're get, getting strengthened. They're living in fear of the Lord. It's not like terror of the Lord. This is awe of the Lord and great respect of the Lord that they follow and the Spirit of God's working amongst them. And it says they increase in numbers. Now, if we follow this through, like uh, since earlier in the book, like chapter 1, verse 15 talks about there was 120 believers and 2, verse 41, there was 3,000 believers in one day. That would have been good to be at, right? And 4, verse 4 says, uh, yeah, this after Peter and that got told not to proclaim and they just kept in prison and they came out and they're sharing and they grew to 5,000. And so it's like this rapidly growing number of people following this awesome Jesus. But then you'll notice it like sort of stops talking about numbers because it's getting so many, like God's just rescuing all these different people. So they're increasing in numbers and it's impacting different groups as well. So the Jewish people, it's impacting them, like the God-fearers from other places, impacting them. You've got the eunuch coming. And we're going to see in the future how it impacts all different groups, these people groups hearing about the wonders of Jesus. So it's numbers, like the different groups, and you know, the geographical spread as well. This is just like going out to all these different places as people hear about the wonders of Jesus. You know, and all of this was advanced through a person who once was a persecutor of the Christians. We lived in Indonesia for a, a bunch of years. And in, you, were, you were there in 2007 when um, the iPhone came out. And so it was interesting. We would come back to Australia about every two years or whatever. So at first, when the smartphones first started coming out, it was more like so just some smaller group of people would have them. And it, like, we'll come back again in two years, and it's like, no way, like, the number of people have smartphones in that two years from seven to nine, you're thinking, that is crazy, all, the, all these people are having these phones, and then in Indonesia, just a little bit behind, but they um, just growing, just blowing out, like, all different people, all different ages, all the different places, like, getting hold of mo- mobile, ph- mobile phones, and it just, like, spread to places and all different people, you know, and if we're... Like linking this in this passage, like God is on the move and he's spreading this news of Jesus to all different places and to all different people as they hear about him. He's on the move and he won't be stopped. And you know what he uses? Unlikely people. He uses unlikely people. Saul, his name gets changed to Paul. He's, he wrote the book 1 Timothy. He talks a bit about how he sees himself says this in 1 Timothy 1.15. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. You understand, he says, I'm the worst. He used to chase after Christians. He wanted to put them into prison. He wanted them to die. And so for him, looking at his life, he's like, he does not deserve it. He doesn't deserve this love 
He doesn't deserve that care from Jesus towards him. You know, as I look at his journey, maybe not in such drastic ways, but this is the story of all of us, isn't it? That we haven't always loved Jesus and pursued him, haven't always put him at first and cared about him, but like he loved us and Jesus goes across to save us, to rescue us. And we haven't always cared and we don't deserve it, but he loves us. He takes us, the ones who are unlikely, it's unlikely that we'll be rescued, but he reaches out to us and he draws us close. You know, like Saul, you know, he hated and then he's filled with love. He was a persecutor and then he became a leader. What a transformation that is. There's a guy, Rob, in the morning service. He's a Maori guy, he's a tank, and like you know, he's got the tats and he's huge and everything, and he, taught, he shared his story in the morning service. He shared about how he used to be a gangster. He used to be in gangs in New Zealand and Oz, and he didn't talk much about the, like, the violence and the destruction that he was involved in and things, but he talks about how from that place, from that life, just randomly invited to a prayer meeting that he saw people gathered. So we're talking big, tough, massive Maori guy rocks up and someone tells him about Jesus and he experiences the love of God that he's loved. That no matter his background, that Jesus died to save him and to give him life, to bring forgiveness and give him a new life. And he trusted in Jesus. And this is an awesome story. So someone go from that background to knowing Jesus. You know, in this last week, we were just meeting up with someone like talking, they wanted to be uh, getting baptized, and so they're asking Rob, so, oh, what's all this about? You know, and like he's disciplining the guy and praying for him, supporting him. Well, what, a, what a drastic change, isn't it, to go from gangster to a disciple? And <laughs> this is a massive change, isn't it? Like, this great transformation. The one who is unlikely but transformed. This is what God does, isn't it? This is what God does. This is hard. He loves to change people's lives. And so for us, as we think about the people in our lives, that maybe we think, oh, they're, they're just too far gone, maybe. They're, they're unlikely to trust in Jesus. Or maybe it's a region we're thinking about. Or oh, this area, oh, it's unlikely. They're just too far from God. This passage just blows that apart, doesn't it? God changes people whoever they are, and he's strong enough and he's powerful enough to change anyone and to turn their life around and bless them and help them. This is what God does and what he loves to do. What about for us as a church? In various ways, this has been a tough year, hasn't it? It's been a tough year for us as God's people here in Dapto. And there's, there's, you know, there's things that need healing and restoration. And this passage just tells us, you know, God can bring spiritual refreshing. God can unite. God can rebuild us. He can rebuild our finances, rebuild our confidence and our hope. Like God does this. He works amongst tough situations and he brings blessing and help and strength. Because you know what, like things can look difficult to us, but they are not too difficult for God, are they? They're not too big for him. Because, you know, we, we see a persecutor go to 
persecutor, become a missionary. We see a gangster become a disciple. Miraculous change happens by the hands of the awesome God, doesn't it? Miraculous change happens by the hands of the mighty and strong God. So for us, as we think about this and we think about our life this week, I just want to encourage you, you know, seek, pray, share and serve. Like, seek Jesus like you are filled with thanks to the one who saves you and reveals you. You know, pray like you're praying to the one you believe can make persecutors into missionaries. Pray with that confidence and that passion. You know, share like you're serving the one who's advancing the gospel into homes and the lives of people in this region. Seek and pray and share and serve. Because, you know, there's more miraculous things that God is going to do amongst us this year and next year. There are more things that Jesus will do here amongst us. There are more things that he will do in Dapdo and in Wollongong and around here and Australia and the world. Jesus will do more. And Jesus, the one who works in the unlikely and he will do these great miracles and he'll bring hope and he'll bring life and he'll bring joy. Jesus will do more. He'll do more amongst us. Well, this is an awesome passage. If we look at this, we see like this dark, evil guy who's trying to kill Christians have his life completely turned around and transformed to be called by Jesus and sent by him to do mission in Damascus and Jerusalem. Like this, this guy is used by God in amazing ways. Now, I'm just going to finish off with this. Now, next time... You doubt God's power to work in someone. Next time you're praying, praying and you're not really sure, next time you're in that space, next time you think someone is too far gone, next time you think that some region is unlikely to be transformed, when you're in that space, look back here, look back here to Acts and see that your God is powerful and he's loving and he can transform lives and communities to bring life and joy. Oh, that is your God. In times of doubt, you keep looking back and you remember that God brings life and joy and transformation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you do bring change in people seem unlikely, God. We thank you for your kindness that you show your love towards each of us. That you reach out to us. We thank you, God. We thank you for the way you worked in Paul. And we pray this would just be a reminder to us of your love and your power to change people's lives, Lord. We thank you, God, that you sent Paul as a missionary and the gospel went out and it's come to Australia and we can hear about him. We hear about Jesus, we thank you, God. We pray, Father, as a church, that you grow our confidence in you, that you will do more amongst us, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus, Lord. Do more in each of our lives individually, God. Do more in our life as a church as we trust in Jesus, as we seek him and serve him, Lord. And Lord, we just, we just pray for the, that heart and that hunger 
to pray and serve and seek you, knowing that you're the one who makes persecutors into missionaries and gangsters into disciples, God. We thank you for your power and your love, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.